broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host on Midtown Business Radio. We're pleased to have you making us a part of your day today. We're joined by a couple of uh, professionals here in the Atlanta area that you're going to want to hear about. I've got uh, J.R. McNair of Business Service Pros Incorporated with us here. Welcome, J.R. Hey, thank you so much. And we've got Jeff Yon with Dynamics Web Design, a company that we're familiar with because they've actually recently done a website redesign for us. So welcome, Jeff. Thank you for having me. And uh, we'll go ahead and jump right in here. JR, tell me a little bit about Business Service Pros Incorporated. Who, who are you here to help? Well, we help the uh, person that's looking to start a business, people that are actually in business. We have where we uh, do incorporations, 501c3s. We help people build business credit. We also do branding as far as logos, um, websites, uh, things of that nature. Uh, uh, we predominantly uh, focus on someone that's uh, possibly on a job right now and saying, hey, listen, I had this idea and I'm looking to get going. Who do I go to? Well, we'll help you take that concept uh, uh, from just concept to reality. I remember when I ran into you recently and we got to talking about having you on the show to talk about what you do. I asked if your company actually is one that, because I know there's some for-profit type companies out there. Now, does that model work for you? Are you actually going to be kind of a part owner of a group that you're helping? Or are you more kind of a support and, and get your funding elsewhere? Well, this is the thing. Now, the company Business Service Pros that I um, helped to found, they offer services. We offer services as far as if you want to come and get an incorporation or an LLC or a 501c3 nonprofit or you say, hey, we just want a logo. Those are those services. But I myself, I have done a lot of investing. I've invested in over um, uh, 30-something-odd businesses that either I've owned, operated, branded, invested, did whatever in. So, as an individual, I invest in companies, but as a as a as a corporate entity, we focus on delivering the best services uh, to our uh, end customer. I got you. So tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are. Did did your college education coming up? Did it kind of aim you in this direction, or you know, tell me how to kind of move from college to where you are today? Well, it it, it kind of goes back a little bit further. When I was um uh, uh, ten years old, I was a kid that kind of went to school with the Adidas with the four stripes or the K Swiss with the six, you know, and. Uh, uh, it was uh, it was five kids in our family. And so my mom was like, hey, if you, if you want to figure out a way to, to get those nice things, then, you know, hey, you're not the only child. So you have to make something happen. So at 10, I started my first business. I started a landscaping company and I ended up at 10 years old uh, on a weekend making two hundred dollars. And I was like, wow, this is I think I think I think this makes sense for me. So at uh, at 10, 12, I was sending off information. These infomercials come on late at night. I was a little weird and I would uh, send stuff off for it. And I got these things you can make money classified ads and then i learned it and then i would do certain things and at um, uh, um age 14 believe it or not i actually purchased my first piece of real estate um a piece of land out in the gated community um out in carroll county and but i i, I really took that um and i went i played football at mount zion high school on the south side and and i uh, um and and I went to had an opportunity to go to wofford college and play there and and while i was in college as a, a sophomore no one our other guest is going to speak about his company starting in uh, in college. We we had an opportunity to I I was going to start a um, a real estate uh, development type of a, a deal, but one of my mentors he said, "Jr., you know what? Maybe you should wait on that." And so um, when I finished uh, college, I played football in uh, college, and I had 
couple job offers, uh, uh, six figures in um, in nature. And uh, but I wanted to. I started this company, and and uh, so I had. Um, I was supposed to go in the draft in the NFL, and and uh, fifth round. And my agent wasn't so great. So the the believe it or not, after I turned down those two six figure job offers, my mom was like, "Boy, are you crazy?" And uh, I turned them down. And uh, my first job after uh, after college, because I was training to go play overseas, was working at. Uh, the Olive Garden, and so I waited tables, and um, I ended up. Uh, people would come to me and they said, "You know, hey Jr., can you help me with this?" And I said, "Yeah, you know, I can help you with that." And uh, uh, somebody said, "Hey, can you help me with this?" And I said, I-, "I can help you with that too." And before you know it, when the smoke cleared, I had a business, and so uh, we end up just taking people with these great ideas and really producing some phenomenal companies for them. Well, is there a particular type of you know question or particular concern that the the business owners or or the entrepreneur who's getting ready to try to start a business do they tend to come with some similar things that they're trying to 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 get to with you or how does that typically flow? Well, a lot of business owners that I speak with, a lot of times they uh, have an idea, but it just seems so far off, like it's just unreachable. And and what I've tried to do um, from a personal standpoint, one-on-one as a consultant with them, is just really let them know, look, it's not that hard. You know, a lot of times, you know, you have the, uh, you know, the planning uh, paralysis where you just don't do anything. You know, get out there. You never know what's going to happen. It's really just the market dic- uh, dictating uh, what's going to happen for you. And a lot of times uh, it's just creating a uh, a pragmatic plan for them that they can actually see and say, this is actually attainable and go and achieve it. You Do you feel like today's st- still a good good time to be starting a business? Oh, wow. No, no better time. I don't think because this is the, the, the great thing about starting a business. See, we're in a phenomenal place like Atlanta. I mean, I'm from Atlanta and, and I and I and I always when I go and speak all over, I'm always talking about Atlanta because I'm like, people don't realize, you know, we have film industry here in 2008. Um, you know, it was something like I think 500 million dollars. But th- I think they said uh, I've read somewhere they said I think the, the film industry is something in the billions now in Georgia from a lot of the tax credits and things. And, and just recently uh, down um, where I live at now near Fayette uh, County, Pinewood Studios built a huge facility down there. And you're talking about the ancillary businesses that can just be produced from just having something to do with something that they're doing. Hey, I'm a catering company. Well, we need catering, you know. Right. I mean, and and, and I mean, it's so much technology. I mean, I uh, I was speaking at the uh, Atlanta Tech uh, Village there for Atlanta startup things there for some app companies that I'm, I'm a, I was a part of doing some things with. And, you know, just down there you see all these people. And I'm like, wow, this is it kind of reminds me of Silicon Valley in the 90s. And, and you know, and I, and I look at some of these great companies, some of these great entrepreneurs, and it excites me because I'm like, what's going to happen next? I'm just looking for the next big things. <laughs> From what I understand, you're writing a book. I am. Tell me a little bit about that. Corp versus LLC, is that right? That is correct. Um, I'm writing a book, uh, Corporation versus LLC, because in, in my years, that was the biggest thing that people asked me. Well, you know, what's the difference between a corporation and LLC? My lawyer told me to be a LLC. My accountant told me to be the LLC. And nothing against lawyers or accountants um, on that end. You know, um, I think they do a great job at what they do. Um, I focus on this a little bit more over my professional career. And um, a lot of stuff on the Internet is kind of... Uh, 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 conflicting and people say oh I read that this you can get double tax and things of that nature but it's not true I really advise a lot of my clients believe it or not to become corporations they say well 
I'm not big enough to be a corporation. Well, I look at it like this. If you're, it's, it's all based on your taxes. If you make $100, you, it's, do you want to get taxed $15 or get taxed $40 on it? And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't really understand that with an LLC, for example, you're still getting taxed essentially like a sole proprietorship. It's all flowing down to you on a personal level where on a corporation standpoint, you can, um, it's a separate tax. You can actually even set it up on a fiscal year, meaning that, uh, LLCs or Class S corporations have to end December 31st, but a corporation can end the begin the end of July, which actually our corporation does. Now it gives you, uh, 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 let's just say at the end of your July, you're saying, oh, man, I have an extra $50,000 that I wasn't, uh, uh, that I didn't know that I made. Well, you can now defer that, pay yourself a bonus that as an individual. Now it's not that you don't have to pay those taxes, but now you're giving yourself six months or so before you have to do it. That's part of it, but it, I love it because if you really uh, know a lot about it, you can really utilize this to really make some strong moves. We're talking with J.R. McNair of Business Service Pros, and you were talking a little bit about the difference between corporation and LLC. So you just, with the company, you would sit down with them and kind of look at their situation and then potentially make some recommendations as to maybe what direction might make sense for them. Yeah, because anybody can go to anybody and get services. You can you can go to somebody and get a corporation. You can go to somebody and get a LegalZoom.com, ex- everybody's ex- talking ex- about. Exactly. But that gives you not really any advice. It just Most makes it easy to do something or another. After people have went there, they come back it's like getting something like you have a tool or better yet a gun and you don't even know how to use it you know you don't even know how to fully utilize it why did you do it that's the biggest question i ask people why did you get an llc well i'm not big enough for that i'm not this that's not a good that's not a good answer why did you do it you know um and and most people can't truthfully answer that um so, you know, we, we really what we try to do at Business Service Pros is we we know business. That's, you know, and that's the thing. We try to let you know, hey, listen, you're getting this logo, but you have a color scheme here that doesn't work with what you're what you're trying to portray or better yet. You know, you're you're you, we, you're trying to write a business plan. And in your business plan, you're saying different things than what you're telling us in person. So it's not really linking up. So we try to help pull it all together so that they can go forth and succeed. I would assume that it kind of information would be useful when it comes to trying to secure financing, whether it's a banking finance loan or, or even maybe trying to secure some investment from somebody. If L- let me tell you here, I was just speaking with a, a venture capital, uh, 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 a big guy here in town now, just started a great venture capital company. And, uh, um, and I was sitting down with him and see, most people don't realize venture capital will never invest in LLCs. Okay. They won't because it's not an entity that they can invest in. You have to always change it to a corporation and see people don't know that so then they're saying and the irs doesn't like you to start out with something and then change it later on you know you might as well start something else but uh but uh you know it's as far as investing you know that i was just talking to a lady at the park yesterday in peachtree city she came up to me she knew me from an, another company i was doing she said hey you know, I'm, I'm doing this. And she said, I have some partners I'm trying to bring on. She said, uh, you know, I'm thinking setting up this LSC. I said, well, that's not the best thing as far as for partners because of the simple fact that it's, it's, it's not really an entity, you know, and it has to have an end date. It's not perpetual like a corporation. So you have to set up certain parameters in there and it just kind of ties you down a little bit. I see. Well, is there a, you know, you, you, you talk a lot about all different services that you provide, and it's obviously you know a pretty wide scope of of uh, 
knowledge that you're going to be able to bring to a person. Is there kind of a niche of businesses that you tend to try to focus on in terms of who you're helping to uh, get their business off the ground, or is it pretty broad? It's it's pretty broad, but some of the hottest things that we've been kind of really focused on right now are, are actually that's uh, come to come in our doors have been. Believe it or not, nonprofit organizations. There are a lot of nonprofit organizations, a lot of people that have for-profit entities that say, hey, listen, you know, I, I want to uh, branch out in here, but this is more of a nonprofit side. We actually help them set up that nonprofit 501c3 for them so they can go out and start getting funding or go out and start doing things that they wouldn't normally do through a for-profit arena. And so, uh, uh, but, you know, it all really depends on the customer. And they can be... Going from just a nugget of an idea to an existing business that's trying to break out, if you will, that 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 could benefit from linking up with your with your group. That that's correct, and and you know, and because I meet people at all stages of the company, and this is the thing: we offer a myriad of services, but it's 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 not a one size fits all thing. Somebody might only need some consulting advice. Some some somebody might say, "Hey, listen." I, I, I want to help build some business credit to help separate my personal uh, things from my from my business side. So it all really depends. And when we you sit down with one of our consultants, they're able to kind of really look at it, give you a general because there are some general things that every business has to have. Uh, once they've kind of uh, uh, looked at those things, then they they, they kind of give you what they feel would be best for your company. Well, what, tell me what you think is the, the big secret that people need to know about as it relates to having a successful business. Uh, well, I, I tell you, it's 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 a lot of different things that you want to do. You want to, you know, you kind of hear this a lot of times. You want to have a good team. Of course, you know, those things are important. Uh, but one of the things that I would say that's a, a, a secret that a lot of people don't know about that people aren't really utilizing is is business credit. And I think a lot of times when people go out, they'll they'll start these companies or corporations or entities and and then they'll go and then they'll go sign a, a loan that'll attach them back into their companies well i you know for uh, outside of smaller things i really haven't had to use my personal credit for the past 10 years because my company credit is is strong enough to where uh, i can go and establish get things like computers vehicles corporate apartments whatever the case is these are certain things that companies can start using to where they are truthfully getting those tax write-offs on one end and then um uh conversely they're they're also able to utilize things that they won't have to come out of their pocket and attach um, and get further liability for we're talking with jr mcnair of the business service pros and and so what what are the do's and don'ts? Do you, you have some kind of, you know, some suggestions for the listener out there that may be just trying to kind of get a little information? you have some ideas that they should, you know, maybe think about as they're trying to figure out how to do what they do? Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, the things that I've saw, saw in business and my experience in business, things I've learned the most about were the things that I didn't do so great. And, you know, so I would say the things that really can help guarantee your success are the things that you don't need to do. And one of the biggest things that I always suggest don't go out there and get yourself into a bunch of fixed costs. You know, I think a lot of companies, they go out, they try to secure all these employees, secure this big space, you know, keep your costs down. So if you have a couple months where you're not making any money, you're still good and you're still in business. It's all about sustainability. The businesses that I've seen that have been successful are the businesses that have just been in the industry long enough. And I think if you keep those costs down, those things will uh, 
will uh, will definitely uh, uh, help you. And then some of the do's that you can do. The main thing is I don't think people, you know, I understand you don't do a full plan, but a lot of people don't truthfully think through how they're going to make money. They say, I'm going to make a million dollars. And then they say, well, realistically, let's go back door now. How many sales do you have to do to actually do that? How many customers do I have to see to actually get that done? I think if you just sit down and just flesh it out, uh, I think you'll have some uh, good success. Well, obviously, the movie industry is one that's uh, on the rise here in Atlanta. We talked a little bit about that. Are, are there other sectors that you see that there's great potential for somebody if they're wanting to try to get in and have a business of their own that they're starting here in the community? What, what, what would you say what's a good sector or sectors to be around? Well, right now, I mean, in, especially in Atlanta, the technology industry dealing with apps, anything around technology, that's really hot right now. And even a lot of venture capital companies that are in Atlanta, they're specifically focusing on a lot of these uh, technology type based companies. And I think, you know, a lot of people think uh, some of the, I wouldn't say the dumbest ideas end up being very successful, but it doesn't It necessarily has to be a phenomenal idea. It's really all in the execution of it. If you really get something, it really solves a problem for people, and you can put it in some kind of a uh, app or technology format. I think you can do some uh, great things um, uh, in Atlanta. Obviously, you're you know a charismatic fellow, and we, we struck up a conversation real readily in the lobby of the building, and, and uh, that's what got us here. But beyond that, I mean, how do folks find out about you? How do you, you know, get your, your the word out about what you do well you know the thing is in in my life the thing I've always tried to do was to do a great job for people and we haven't had to do any advertising and marketing and um because typically every customer that we sit down with refers about three or four to sometimes five people to us and I believe that in business if you do a good job for people your advertising budget can be low <laughs> but but i do uh, uh we are doing a lot of things now on uh starting to uh be in a lot of uh, uh various networking events in person and doing some things on social media now because uh, uh those are uh, some some good tools that can help us uh go forward what would you think is the biggest challenge for you just in the just in doing what you do and in, in, in terms of you know helping entrepreneurs what do you find to be the most challenging piece of what you do uh, the most challenging uh, thing is, I would say, is, um, you know, looking at entrepreneurs and, 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 and really knowing that, hey, listen, you know, they're individuals and they're people. And so they'll take uh, it's just like with any anything, you know, we're advisors. So, you know, they can take bits and pieces of our information, you know, but. We've seen it so many times that it's not that, you know, uh, you start this restaurant. It's not that it's not going to end up like this. But the other hundred restaurants that have done that, this is what's happened. So a lot of times we we try to tell our clients, we say, listen, just pick up the phone. <laughs> hey, what do you think about this, Jr.? Hey, hey, you know, that's OK. Or, you know, nah, nah, I wouldn't do that. And this is why. And uh, it's only advice. They're still the business owner. They still make the decision. But, you know, you always want to have somebody that you can call on and, and and, and get that just little extra bit of insight just to kind of help you. So I, I guess that's one of the biggest challenges. Sometimes we kind of have seen a lot of the stuff being in business for 12 years. We've kind of seen a lot of things happen and we kind of try to prepare our clients for those things so that they don't have to um, take them on themselves. Obviously you've been in this uh, sector for a while and you've got a 
broad breadth of uh, information that you can share with somebody who's trying to get a business started. I know you have some presence online, Facebook, website. Tell the, the, the listener where they can find you online. Well, you can find us at uh, businessservicepros.com. Uh, that is the primary place. Um, if you want to find out something on um, me in particular, you can uh, go to uh, facebook.com slash McNair or uh, jrmcnair.com um, and you can uh, look at some of the books that I'll be coming out with, some of the places I might be speaking at and I, I love helping people so if you see me, uh, feel free to say hello. <laughs> That's great. McNair uh, for you is M-C-N-A-I-R um, and you, we'll link up with you, make sure on uh, on Facebook as well so that folks can find you through uh, our Facebook site and, and uh, as time flies by I'm going to jump in here and grab our other guest with us, Jeff Yon of uh, Dynamics Web Design. Welcome again. Thank you. And uh, as I mentioned, as a as we launched the show, we became familiar with us with with your company just through our own experience. We were a, a company that, uh, as a physicians group, was looking to redesign our website. And uh, there's a lot of options out there. Uh, and uh, you know, we were collaborating with the folks at WSB TV and Cox Media, and they introduced us to you and spoke very highly of you. So, tell me a little bit about your company, how it started, and you have, you started out as a young man. So. Uh, uh, fill us in on how you got your start. Yeah, so uh, actually prior to Dynamics, uh, I was I was a late bloomer compared to UJR. I was 14 when I started my first company, <laughs> and uh, that was setting up networks and infrastructure for uh, you know the state farms and companies around town that needed someone to uh, jump in and help them out. So it was really embarrassing because I'm 14, and so they had to call my parents' house <laughs> and say, hey um, – can we speak to Jeff? And uh, I'd be like, hey, how's it going, State Farm? And they'd say, oh, it's great. We want to come, you know, want you to come set up a network. And I'd say, okay, uh, c- when can you come pick me up? <laughs> I need so, a ride. Exactly. But uh, Dynamics I founded uh, as a sophomore in college in 2005. And essentially, you know, we're not your average WordPress kind of uh, generic shop. Everything we build is from the ground up and designed to be unique and special for that one customer. So we take a much more holistic approach. And obviously, I think we should kind of talk about that a little bit because, you know, obviously there's, you listen to the radio or television, there's all kinds of advertisements out there for do-it-yourself websites and uh, folks that are, you know, as you mentioned uh, when we were kind of preparing for the show, your your neighbor down the street who who does websites. um, And then obviously there's many groups out there that throw costs out there that are quite low. Tell me a little bit about why you would want to link up with a group such as yours, because obviously you're not a you're not a company that's just going to quote unquote do a website for you and have some pictures and some some text online. Tell me a little bit about you know kind of the underpinning of what you do and why it's better than you know the do it yourself or maybe the the guy down the street there that does a website. Sure. Yeah. So basically, anyone can build you a business card. You know, a WordPress generic template, something they throw up in a couple hours, doesn't take any skill, but something that doesn't resonate with your customers isn't doing you any favors. So what we do is we look at the entire picture of the company. We look at the advertising they're doing. We look at what they're doing in the community. We look at how they want to present themselves, how they're doing it now, what their digital footprint is, and how we can do something that will stand out for them. So... Uh, an example is uh, Superior Plumbing. We, they do a lot in the community, 
And uh, one of my favorite things, if not my favorite thing we've ever built, is a simple little page on their site that allows people to come and vote for special needs students to be able to go to Braves games. And every single game, they will send a special needs student and a family member to go to that game completely free. And, you know, that's not something you get from the generic template guy who is just trying to figure out what's the cheapest template to jump in and and drop in there. And it's made a huge impact for them from a traffic perspective and perception and more than anything, it helps them to get the word out about something they care about. And, you know, we were talking about the fact that, you know, there's a broad range of costs that, that one can uh, invest in um, with a website redesign. And, and, and as you're alluding to the fact that uh, just because you put it out there doesn't mean people are going to come. You know, the whole build it and they sure. will come uh, it certainly is not necessarily true with a, with a, a website as, as what we're talking about. So one of the ways we got linked up with you, as I mentioned earlier, was in, in, in we were engaged with – WSB and Cox Media and, and had talked about the fact that one of the things we're trying to do is expand the just the awareness of us as a treatment modality in the city. And, you know, we were talking about the, the fact that, you know, people need to be able to find us. And so that's kind of one of the things that they said, well, we've got this group. Uh, and dynamics web design that uh, does a great job with regards to maximizing your search engine opt- optimization and s- search engine marketing terms that I'm only just now beginning to learn and I still fumble around with them, obviously. So talk a little bit about how what you're doing on the website redesign will help somebody not just have a nice looking website that you can navigate around on, but you can actually have some commercial value for what you're doing. Yeah, awesome question. So Uh, I'll give you an example of a site that we redeveloped that was originally based in WordPress. Um, That client was uh, under some time commitments for other things, and so they said, look, we really want to revise our copy and and work through our content and make improvements, but for the time being, we're going to carry over what we had almost identically from a text perspective on the website. Now, as you know, Content is king online. Google cares a lot about genuine, relevant content. And so we ported all of this over knowing it wouldn't have quite the impact that it would have if they were able to dedicate a little bit of time to reworking their content. Even so, identical content going from that WordPress site to one that we built, they had over a 40% increase in organic traffic. Wow. And the reason for that is because the site's designed basically so that anything you write has the maximum potential to show up highly. We don't do anything black hat, but what we do is make sure that if it's written on the site, Google can read it and can understand what's important and what's a sidebar, what's not as important on the page. And black hat, you know, just for the listener out there, it's it's kind of the old old way of doing things to make yourself pop up high in a search, right? Well, black hat is the stuff that you do where you wonder at night whether you're going to wake up in the morning without being in, in indexed by Google. So, you know, there's there's gray hat, which is kind of, I think we're okay, but sometime down the road we might get in trouble. There's black hat, which is Google doesn't like this, so let's hope they don't find it. And then there's white hat, which is the stuff that's best practice. You go to bed at night, you wake up in the morning, you know everything's going to be there and working the way that it did because you're not doing anything to dramatically try to cheat the system. So an example of black hat might be putting white text on a white background that's just filled with text uh, and keywords, hoping that uh, the keywords will draw somebody to you, but it's kind of cheating. That and the uh, link farms, you know, having having uh, 
380 different websites from the UK linking to your plumber site. Don't, you know, that doesn't do anything positive for you. Google looks at it and says, I don't think that's natural. And if it's not natural, you're trying to cheat. If you're trying to treat, why would I allow you to rank higher than someone who's being honest? And and so, how important is it when you've got you know got a nice looking website? You know, you you talked to us when we first sat down with you about some of the architecture. Can you talk a little bit about that? Just you know, just the way it works, the technology wise, in terms of the way things are written, and and you know, because things have changed here, particularly in the last few years, with with regards to Google's just progression in in, in the way it does its thing. You know, how how do you tie into those analytics? Yeah. So the funny thing is, the last couple of years have really seen everything that we've been telling people to do for the last decade come into more prominence. Mm-hmm. So we've always emphasized write great content. Forget about Google and write for your customer. Mm-hmm. Imagine you're sitting across from the person who's going to do business with you. What are they interested in? How can you help them to know that you're the right fit and write for that person? Not trying to game search with, you know, HVAC contractor 76 times on the front page. Mm-hmm. You know, because at the end of the day, even if you show up number one for that particular phrase, the customer who visits your site is going to be completely turned off by the experience. They're going to feel like this is generic. This isn't something that's answering their needs. They're going to leave and they're going to go to the guy who's number two or three who has something that's written to an actual customer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it really, you know, from a technology perspective, it, a lot has been invalidated. A lot of the, uh, the bad practice things have been, the loopholes have been closed. And so now it comes down to doing something that will help a, uh, help Google to understand that you're the best result. So Eric Schmidt, uh, was the CEO of Google until a couple of years ago, and I believe it was 2006, he... Uh, he said, any search after the first result is a bug. And I think that gives you some insight into their mentality, which is if they're doing their job right, you're not looking through a directory of, of results. You're literally typing in a search and you're returning the perfect result. And so if you put it in that context, you know, anything that you do that doesn't satisfy that goal is probably not going to be helpful to you from a rankings perspective. And if if I'm the person, you know, that's dealing with the content of the website, I mean, how closely do I need to sit down with someone like yourself as I'm crafting my, co- you know, my, my, my content uh, to make sure that I'm kind of staying on track, getting the message across to my to my viewer that I need to, but also kind of staying close to how I need to, you know, just be getting it out there. So the best approach is to start basically – from a blank slate, blank piece of paper and say, what is it that my customers care about? What is it that I offer? And develop a hierarchy. And if you develop a hierarchy from scratch, even if you've already got 300 pages on your site, create a new hierarchy and then look at how that meshes up with what you have now. And nine times out of 10, you're going to find three or four things that you thought you had covered that aren't even making a presence on your site. And you'll also find other things that you added just because you felt like it one day that nobody cares about that is accounting for a high bounce rate on your site where people come to that page and they go, ah, this really isn't relevant for me. And then from there, it's all about writing something that is unique to you and will resonate with a customer. So uh, in college now, any paper you write will be routed through a system to check for plagiarism. 
And you'll never know that it happened unless your professor comes back and says, great article. I really liked it. Um, it's interesting. This whole paragraph came right from Wikipedia. Did you write that and give it to Wikipedia? So <laughs> in college, you'll get in trouble for it. And in the search engine world, you'll get in trouble for it, but you won't even know it. So Google is far, far, far smarter than the uh, platform used to check you for plagiarism. And they can say, oh, you're 76% similar in content to another site in Albuquerque. So a lot of times people will steal content from a different city or state thinking, hey, I can get away with this. I'll rework it. I'll write some new stuff. That's a recipe for causing problems from a search engine standpoint. If you write it fresh, you never have to worry about being penalized or having any issues. And you know what you write will represent you well from a search standpoint. So how often should I, as a person with a website, trying to you know, inform my customers, trying to be found by my customers, how often do I need to be changing what you see when you come to my website, whether it's the front page or just in general on the website? I mean, I would assume that, that it's probably not the best approach to come to you and get a great redesigned website. It's fantastic and it's all flashy and new and then we just let it sit there. I was so sad once, uh, probably in 2008, I had a client who said, can we lock down our administrative panel until June of the next year? And I said, well, why, why would you want to do that? And so, well, we'll have our board meeting then and we'll revisit it and we'll come back to you with content changes. So, oh my gosh. So Google cares not only about how relevant you are and your content being unique, but it also cares about recency. So if you have a website and I have a website, we both have tremendous content about the same thing. I wrote mine two years ago, and you just revised yours a week ago. Google is going to look at it and say, all things being equal, I think this one is probably going to be the best result because it's timely versus the other one that's not. So from a time perspective, how often you should do it, it's really going to depend on the space. If you're an attorney, you're unfortunately going to have to do this fairly regularly because all the big guys are spending tons and tons of time and money writing content on a virtually daily basis. If you're in an area where there isn't a significant web presence in your space, it can be far less than that. But, you know, that's something that, that we can really quickly identify when we're talking to a client. But a good rule is come back and revisit some of your secondary pages, your more important pages, uh, you know, at least once a month. And I take an 80-20 approach to that. So the 20% of your content that's generating 80% of the traffic, revisit that fairly regularly. And if you've bypassed that and you've, you've still got some time left, do 80-20 again for the next subset of content that's relevant. That's great information. We're talking with Jeff Yon of uh, Dynamics Web Design, and uh, we're, we're certainly learning a lot about not only the differences between you know, do, doing a website redesign well uh, and why it's wise to invest your, your money wisely with a group that's going to do the things that you're talking about, help you not only have a nice-looking website, which is apparently somewhat easy to do, even on your own, but uh, to have it actually be something that's going to have that money come back to you, uh, it, it's certainly a, another matter, and we're finding that out ourselves in our own experience. So is there, a, is there a particular niche of businesses that come to you, or is it pretty much just anybody that needs to be found and, and be seen on the Internet, they're coming to you? Is it particular well, groups? 
great question. Uh, we do a lot with companies that do some decent advertising in Atlanta because it's you know one of the bigger benefits of what we do is that we can dramatically increase the effectiveness of a TV campaign or a radio campaign or print or digital, whatever you have going on. We can help show measurable differences between where it was and where it is. So the guys that you see driving down 75, the billboards, you know, the D Gellers and those guys are a lot of them are our clients. Um, we really specialize in companies where we can make a big difference in helping to present them in the way that they want to be presented. Uh, not so much someone who's got a 20,000 product e-commerce site, but the company that really wants to showcase, uh, for example, Ray's Restaurants. We just launched their site last week. Someone who wants to present a really nice upscale, upscale feel, something that will be approachable and fun to interact with. Um, you know, it's really our, our sweet spot. And so you can tell by going into Google Analytics, and I know you were showing me some of the, some of the positive upticks. Talk a little bit about what someone can expect when they come to link up with Dynamics Web Design as far as you know, overall traffic, how long does someone stay once they get there, things like that. Sure. So obviously I can only speak for, for us here and compared to previous uh, websites that we have uh, redeveloped, but you know, it's typical for us to create about a 25 to 50% decrease in bounce rate and anywhere from 50 to 350% increase in engagement, the time spent on the website. We design them so that you really spend time understanding versus looking for what you're trying to find on the website. And and for the listener out there, bounce rate means I land on a page, I see that front page, and then I don't go anywhere else and leave. Exactly. There. So that's the person who comes to the website and goes, eh, this isn't the right fit for me. Either it's an ugly experience, they don't trust you, you're not the right fit for their needs, they find that, they don't, don't want to continue, and they leave the site. And is that a time-driven statistic or is it more just they didn't navigate into deeper parts of the page correct so it's them not navigating further them not interacting with the site they visit it and they leave so they could be there for three and a half minutes and leave the site and there's still a bounce what would you you know is there something you know uh, is it just i want more visibility what would you know make me think now is a good time for me to go ahead and try to invest in redesigning my website at what point i mean where would you advise making that choice that's a great question so uh you know based on how quickly technology changes if your site's more than two three years old it's probably worth having a look at it if it's dramatically older than that then you're you're past due for it uh if you're seeing you know, very low traffic yields and you, you expect to be seeing a good amount of traffic because you're spending money on advertising and doing other things and you're just not seeing that happen, that's a great sign that your website isn't up to standard. Uh, if you have a site where someone visits on their mobile phone and they have to pinch and zoom to, to try to find anything on your site. I do that. <laughs> that's a poor experience. I don't. I leave that site. That's what I'm saying is I'll, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Is there is there something that I can use as a as a website owner that would kind of help me you know evaluate my website a little bit better to try to decide what should I do here? Yeah, great question. So there are a couple cool tools. Um, one is called the W3C Validator, and complicated name and it's a little complicated to look at, but essentially it gives you a little bit of insight into how your site's been developed. So if you visit if you go to Google and type in W3C Validator, you'll return that site. 
and then just make sure that you choose HTML5 as the item instead of detect automatically. Put in your website, press OK, and it will tell you, you know, do you have two errors on your site or do you have 2,000? And the error count is less important than what it has. But if you see your site has 200 errors, you know that there's a big time problem and, you know, you're probably obscuring Google's ability to properly read through your content and understand what's there. So that would mean I fall down on page two or three or someplace like, or, you it know, could, or worse. It, it could also mean uh, rendering issues. So maybe Internet Explorer looks different from Firefox versus Chrome or mobile Safari. You know, it can mean a host of things, but it generally tells you something's not quite well. I know, you know, because I'm not the, the web guy, so the, the the language necessarily not might not be there. But I remember when we were first talking about you and you were talking about just the the type of code that you use, the architecture upon which you build a website is one that you can scale and you can also upgrade, if you will. You talked about, you know, kind of renewing things a little bit, you know, in terms of a technology side of things. I would assume that that gives me the ability, if I link up with somebody like you, maybe I'm investing a little bit more on the front end over my, my neighbor a couple houses down, but I'm investing a little more now, but perhaps over time, my overall spend on my website, keeping it as, as current technologically as can be, is actually advantageous to be with you. Awesome, awesome question. So the typical scenario goes, uh, I'm going to spend... You know, ten, twenty thousand dollars, get a new website, and then in two or three years, I start over again, and I just continue to reinvest the same or more money each time. And during that time, you've got hosting costs, you've got all this stuff that adds up. So someone might come to you and say, "Yeah, I'll build this site for five thousand dollars." At the end of three years, you spent thirty-five thousand dollars, and nobody really thinks through those sunk costs. And the next time they go to redesign their site, they say, "Okay, well, I spent five thousand dollars last time on my website." The reality is they spent 35. When we build a site, we build it using the absolute latest and greatest technology has to offer. So perfect HTML5 valid code, CSS3 for transitions, jQuery, everything is perfect. And so what that means is in two, three years, when the next big thing, you know, the next responsive design kind of uh, game changer happens, we'll be able to integrate that technology in without saying, okay, time to blow it up and start over again. Obviously, you know, you've got a relationship with the folks at uh, Cox Media. They introduced us to you. And so that's yeah. a that's a great channel for you to to meet the people that are looking, you know, the, who happen to be engaged with Cox Media. But beyond that relationship, how do people find you, you know, to, to you know, sit down with you and evaluate? I mean, how how do your customers, you know, determine you're the person for us? I mean, are you are they finding you just online, or how do they tend to, to get to you? Virtually, completely through word of mouth. So company owners uh, talking to other business owners and saying, look, th- these guys are incredible. You've got to work with them. Uh, we've been in business close to 10 years now, and we don't have a single review under five stars. So we get a lot of very, very loyal companies that tell everyone they've ever met about us. Are there, you know, a point or two that you would, you know, really like to drive home for the listener out there as they're thinking about their business or their personal website, whatever it may be, but uh, I'm assuming it's mostly going to be corporates that are going to be, you know, investing in website design with you. I mean, any couple of points that you would like to leave with them before we jump off today? Sure. So if you're looking at getting a site designed, uh, one of the big things to ask on the front end and get in writing is what they're going to charge you over time and for what. So we talked about that $5,000 site that costs thirty-five. 
When we build a site, we don't charge anything for hosting for the life of the site as long as the traffic is under 10,000 visitors a month, so, which is almost every site. So uh, there's no hosting fees associated with that. Um, maintenance fees, what are they going to be? We don't charge any for our sites. Um, what's it going to cost when we have a change that we need to make that we can't make ourselves or don't want to make ourselves? Identifying all those things on the front end will help you prevent what you thought was going to be an inexpensive development being something that skyrockets and will also help you gain a better understanding of some you know approaches like ours, which are here's exactly what it's going to cost to make something wonderful that works well and lasts a long time. And that cost is something that you're going to see, and we're not going to charge you anything else unless there's something dramatic you want us to build for you. Obviously, you have a website presence. So tell us a little bit about where, where to find you online and uh, social media. Yeah, so we're the, the perfect example of the <laughs> cobbler's kids don't have shoes. Uh, we're relaunching our site here probably within the next week, but uh, our site is dynamics, D-Y-N-A-M-I-X, webdesign.com. All one word. Yep. So if you go to it now and it looks ugly, come back in a week and you'll like it. <laughs> and I know you're on Facebook and Twitter. Yes. Uh, Dynamics WD for both. Okay. As in web design. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, you can certainly link up with, uh, with them through us because we'll be doing the same thing on our social media. You can find us on Facebook at uh, Midtown on BRX. The same on Twitter, Midtown on BRX. And... Uh, Make sure you link up with our, our great guests today. They've got some excellent information for you. And uh, I want to say thanks to everyone out there listening to uh, have made us a part of your day today. And then, again, to our guests today, they've taken time away from their busy, busy uh, office days to come and share their information. So I want to thank them personally for uh, making time to be here today. And uh, we'll see you all here uh, on a Tuesday. Talk to you soon. 